We are beginning this morning a series. First of all, thanks so much for being here. If you're joining us via the stream, I know a number of you are, uh, please hit the share button. Uh, it spreads that out to all of your social media, and you just don't know who, who might see it. We've had a number of reports of people that have been saved, people that found us for the first time because people shared it. So share that stream. Amen. And thank you to all of you for being here. It's just so good to be together. Amen. And there are cons- there's several more of you this week than there were last week. So we hope that, uh, that people will just continue to find their comfort level and we'll be back together soon. We are beginning a series this morning. My goodness, it, it came out good in the first service. One of the dilemmas of preaching two Sunday morning sermon- sermons is that when you come to the second one, you go, Oh, Lord, I think that was really good in the first sermon. Don't let it flop in the second one. All right? Uh, so it's uh, a very real concern because this is an important message, I think. It's got an important content to it, or content to it, and uh, I want to talk to you this morning about real faith. Now you say, "Well, I've got some faith." I'm not. I'm not trying to suggest that yours is counterfeit in some way, but I do want to look at Hebrews chapter eleven and look at some scriptures here that just give us a picture of of just a powerful reality that I think God uh, has for us. We, we begin this morning in Hebrews chapter eleven, as you might think that we would. Let me read to you Hebrews eleven one. You know it, if you know it from the King James, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. ESV says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That word assurance or substance in the King James is a really interesting word. The the Greek word there is actually a word that the transliteration of it into English, when, when they take the Greek word, it's actually a word that we brought forward and use in English in its, in its, in its original form. You, you may or may not recognize it. It's used in science and it's used in the medical, medical field, but it's the Greek word hypostasis. We pronounce it in English hypostasis. And it literally means, in the original language, it means the solidifying of what wasn't solid. Things that were ambiguous or things that were perhaps uh, component pieces, but they had never come together. It's the underlying reality or substance of reality as opposed to a thing's attributes. It's not, you know, these pieces have this. It's, it's what happens when those pieces come together. That's what the Greek word is indicating here. When we use this word in English, and I think that's where it really begins to take on some meaning as we apply it to faith that many of us have not thought about, hypostasis in the medical field occurs when solids, the component pieces of your blood, solidify. So where it had been all liquid, it becomes solid. Now, you can imagine that that's a, that's a catastrophic event when that happens in someone's blood, it's when, when the solids in the blood collect in an area of the body. When things that weren't solid become solid. So faith is this. Faith makes something where there was nothing. It makes something solid where there had only been perhaps a conceptualized idea or pieces of something that have never been together come together and they get solid. Faith is the hypostasis of that. Faith is the thing that brings that together. It's the revealer of that. It's the state that exists when that happens. When things come together and things get solid, that is faith. We sometimes think of faith as the thing that makes that happen, but faith 
according to the scripture, is when that happens. All right? It's the, it's this, it's the reality of that. I want to read to you this morning, and this is, this is just the only way I know how to do this. It was so important. This is the longest section of scripture I have ever read in a, in a sermon. It takes me four minutes and 50 seconds to read it. I timed it. I wanted to see if the time investment was worth it. And it is because I want to get this whole section of Scripture because there's a thing that it does when you hear it all together that you won't get if we pick the pieces out. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, down through Hebrews 12, 2. Bear with me. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, for by that thing, the people of old received their commendation. If you're going to be commended, you've got to have this. By faith, we understand that the universe, even though we weren't there, we didn't see it, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And he, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Nobody had ever seen anything like this. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he was to receive, that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to that city, a city that he had never seen, that has foundations, a real city in other words, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven. Abraham was a hundred. That's what it means when it says he as good as dead. As many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sands on the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able, able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, worshiping, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites, something that wasn't to happen for many years, and gave directions concerning his bones. Why? Because he believed it would happen, even though he had no reason to know that it was coming other than faith. 
By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking for the reward, to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry ground, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, you hear a theme here, by faith. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And I wish it had stopped right there. But it doesn't. Because that same faith says this, that it caused others. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering around in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by them, by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Father, Holy Spirit, you'll need to do what only you can do. Because we have profound parameters on our spiritual existence. Tradition has informed it. Our own thoughts. Today, we need your word to inform it. We need to understand, Father, what you have called us to. Be profound in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice some of the things from this lengthy section of Scripture. And thank you so much for bearing with me as I read it. I want you to notice some of the things that faith does. I just want to, I want to dig a little bit. We won't spend a lot of time. And this is just the introduction of four more sermons after this one. I'll give you the topics of those and we'll talk about them very briefly. But we won't, we won't spend a lot of time. But I just want you to notice the kinds of things that faith does. Not, not just, not the word that we use, but what kind? Real faith. Biblically informed. Hebrews 11 and 12. Biblical faith. I want you to notice the kinds of things that it does. 
even though we weren't there and we didn't see it, we believe that God created the universe. Amen? Any of you there? Any of you? Fred Green used to, when he was still alive, I used to say, Fred, what was it like to hang out with Moses? All right? He was, I used to give him a hard time about being old enough to, hey, Fred, what was creation like? I bet it was cool being there when there, all right? But we weren't there. So we believe without any scientific evidence. In fact, faith is literally the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When it becomes such, let me help you with this, when it becomes such that you can touch it and hold it and you know it by something other than trust in God, you don't need faith any longer. Faith operates in that realm where you have no science. There may be science that comes along behind, but that's not the thing that percolates inside of you. If you are holding out for God to prove himself and then you'll trust him, that's not faith. Now listen to me. I'm not talking about mindless receptivity to any lame brain thing that comes along, but I'm telling you that this thing that we're talking about is something that takes nothing and makes substance out of it. If you've got Boyle's Law, if you haven't, if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. And you've got the periodic table and you've got an electron microscope and you put those together and you say, ha, I believe this because now I've seen and felt it. That's not faith. Faith is the substance of things that you just hope are true. The evidence of what cannot yet be proven. You just stand on it as something solid even though there's no evidence to justify it. If you are holding out faith for God to prove himself to you, then this, then, then this isn't what's going on in you. I'm not saying that there won't be some of that, and we do crave that. God's given us a desire to learn, but that's not what we're talking about today. Keep learning. Keep growing. I know what Boyle's Law is, PV equals NRT. I know that because I love science. I'm a science nerd. R is a constant, by the way. <laughs> All right, anyway. All right. We didn't see it. We weren't there. But I believe that God created the universe. Amen? I, I love this next one. It's, listen, there's this guy named Noah. And he, but now watch this. Here's what real faith does. He believed that something was going to happen that there was no logical frame of reference for. God speaks something to Noah. Noah, I want you to do something. And if he's like me, there's a moment where he goes... <laughs> Lord, there's not enough water here. I mean, there's a big body of water out there, and there's a, but, there, but in the face of all of that illogical approach, in the face of all of that, there's not enough. That it can't be done. In the face of everything that would come to the natural mind, he starts collecting wood. What, what's it like? What's it like when he tells his wife? I'm going to build the biggest vessel that's ever been built. It's going to take decades to do. How does he stand up under the societal pressure when people come up to him and they go, no, what are you, what are you building? This doesn't look like a, this is a, this is a boat. For what? You're, this is dry ground. This is, there's coming a flood. 
How do you stand up under the pressure when there's no one, when there's not one person you can go to because there's no indication that God spoke to anybody else about this. Real faith does something in you where something becomes solid that has never been solid before and you do something that has perhaps never been done before solely because you have faith in what God told you to do. How do you stand up under that? When the whole world is going one way, how do you go the other? Real faith. When all of your friends say, do something, and God says, no, do something else, how do you stand up under it? Real faith. When everyone that counsels you, maybe even those closest to you say, listen, it's never rained that much. It's never happened, and you just keep sawing, nailing, building. That's faith. That's real faith. How do, you, how do you think about Abraham who suddenly moves away from everything and all of his family and he does so without a destination? It says that he leaves his family, leaves homes and he moves into tents. I, I want to be there when he has that conversation with Sarai. Hey, we got these homes, but we're going to I got this six-person tent we're going to live in now. How long? I don't know how long. We, we sort of, we make this funny and humorous, but they leave the security. There's also danger. There's also risk. How are we going to feed our flocks? How are we going to feed our kids? What's out there? I don't know what's out there because I don't know which direction we're headed yet. How do you launch out into something that you cannot see, cannot touch, no one's ever done? You don't have anybody to, hey, can you tell me what's, you don't even know the direction yet, and you have no one that counsels you other than God. How do you do it? How do you not succumb to the, just the innate fleshly pressures of that? Anybody say amen? Amen. I mean, these are real people. These aren't, you know, oh, no, these are superhuman. No, these are, it's a real guy with real concerns and, 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 and flocks, and he's got kinfolks going with him. He doesn't have any children yet, but he's got his cousin, and he's got, he's got his servants. He's got people that are going with him, people that depend upon him. He doesn't even know where we're going. We are going. We're leaving all of this behind, and we're going because God told us to. How do you do that? We all like to think, oh, I could do that. Really? Why don't you go home today and try it? Oh, I could do that, really. We, we need missionaries all over the world. I'll meet you right down here right after church. You can tell me which field in Africa you want to go to. I'll get you signed up. Then you go home and tell your kids and grandkids and spouse. How do you, in the reality of it, how do you do that? How do you, how do you believe this is another one that we, we have so much fun with. How do you believe, ladies, at 90? At 90? Hey, Joe, the Lord spoke a word to me. You and Peggy are going to have a baby. <laughs> Everybody in the room's laughing about that. You go, he's old, man. He ain't having no babies. All right. Sister Dorothy. It's going to be an immaculate conception at 90 years of age. You're going to have a baby. What did you say? 91. Yeah, don't laugh. Sarah laughed. It didn't work out too good for her, Peggy. Don't be laughing at it. 
listen, I'm not, I'm not, it is funny to us, but that's, that's what happened. How do you get to the place where it becomes solid, where you start decorating? I mean, I, you start buying baby clothes. You start making preparations. You start thinking. Your whole outlook changes. How do you step into a moment that no one's ever been in? How do you get to a place where you accept something? Lord, I'm 90. I don't know about you, but I like sleeping through the night, and I'm not planning on staying up and feeding a baby every 15 minutes at 90. We laugh about that, but how do you get to the place where you step into a reality that's never been real faith? How do you step out beyond what everybody else is doing? How do you adopt a position that's not popular and that no one believes can happen? And then act on it. How do you wait a hundred years You've waited now a hundred. Abraham's a hundred. Sarah's ninety. Come on, now get in this moment with me. You've wanted it so bad that you you took things into your own hands and had a child with one of your literally a, a, another woman that your wife provided and sort of messed up the whole world when you did. If you don't know the history of that, you come, I, it's a longer story than I have time for here. But how do you, how do you wait a hundred years for a, a son and live through the miracle of him coming to be and watch him grow to where he's now a little boy? And then God says... I want you to sacrifice that child to me. I'm out. Anybody with me? That's it. The lineage of God ends right there with me. Come on, now live in the moment. You wait a hundred years. And you've now... You've now enjoyed the joy of watching. The, if you don't know this story, if you're new to the body of Christ, God asks Abraham to sacrifice the son that he's now Sacrifice him on an altar. There are no, there are no laws at that point in time yet. There's no covenant. There's no, there's no Old Testament. There's no, no Mosaic law that happens later that prohibits that. But there's something in you that says, hey, God, we... we we don't kill our kids. Come on, that's, that's not who you've always been. You, how do you get there? I don't. You say, oh, no, God would give you. No, there's no indication that God does anything. God doesn't pour something special in there. Oh, no, he equipped him to be it. No, there's no indication of that. There is an equipping process that we're going to get into into this series. That's not the first day Abraham has shown up in faith doing what God has asked him to do. Some, some people want to show up in a moment. They, they want to wait until the trial hits them, and then they want God to supernaturally do something when they've not spent a moment in faith school. But Abraham's already left his home. He's already lived in the land of, I mean, he's already walked step by step by step. So that by the time we get here, but still, how do you, and then watch this. Come on. They, they start on the journey. Abraham is intending to do it. 
He puts the wood, he puts the stuff on a pack animal, and they start walking off. And at some point in time in this journey, Isaac, that's the little boy's name, says, Hey, Dad, where's the ram? I stopped right there, Jeremy. I, I just quit. That's it. He's now engaged in it. He's now thinking about it. Abraham keeps going up that mountain, builds an altar, puts the wood on it. Now get this. Live in this moment for a moment. He goes up, the scripture says, and he binds Isaac. You think the little boy is just standing there when that's happening? What does the little boy do? Daddy, what are you doing? Daddy, why are you tying me up? Gene, I'm out right there. That's it. I'm, I'm backsliding. I'm out. Anybody with me? Come on. Now you're. I waited a hundred years for him. I've now lived and loved him every day. I've combed his hair. I've given him a bath. I've fed him. I know how he smells, Lord. And now you're, and he's tying him up. He picks him up. What's the little boy saying? We don't, we don't, like, to, we don't like to humanize this story, do we? And Abraham lays him up on that altar. Daddy, what are you doing? You're going to walk into the ancestral promise of God. You can't be a lightweight. This isn't a moment. This isn't a, this isn't a word you said. I believe. I believe God. I got faith. I believe in you, really. That won't do. You see, that won't do in this moment. You, you can't be playing this ain't church games now, is it? This isn't, this isn't convenient Christianity. This isn't, this isn't social belief. This isn't a, a neat crowd, a neat place. Ooh, I like the music there. Man, it's on the line now. He lays him up on that altar. He's abandoned to what God wants. He's all in, church. He's not, this isn't, this isn't Eastern Sundays. Or Eastern Christmas now, is it? He lays him up there. Scripture says he pulls a knife out. And he raises it in the air. He, he's, he's going through. And the voice of the Lord says, stop! Do not harm that child. For now I know, Abraham... That you love me even more than him. You see, real faith puts God up in the front. Wow. Moses is this, he's the grandson of Pharaoh. By the providence of God, he's living. Mm the most privileged life that you could imagine for a Hebrew kid at that time. He's left the slavery of the Hebrews 
And he has become literally the grandson of Pharaoh, potentially in line to become Pharaoh. And the scripture says that he chooses the suffering of the people of God rather than the, than the privileges of the palace. How do, you, how do you turn away prestige and power? How do you see something so real? How do you, how do you have it be such substance that you can say to applauding masses and incredible privilege and incredible power and incredible wealth, I'm going to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy that position and that prestige. Man, I, how do you get there? How do you get to that place where you're able to reject all of that? And not with, not, not so that they write documentaries about your great sacrifice. No, no. You're really the only one that knows. And God. And then spend 40 years. It's not a momentary deal. You spend the next 40 years in exile because of your decision. Wow. That's, that's pretty heavy-duty stuff, isn't it? Real faith. You, you eventually end up leading a bunch of real malcontents. Out of, is, out of Egypt, you get to the Red Sea. Watch this. Here's, here's what sets up. We all want to live in the miracle moment, don't we? I want to stretch my hand. My, I want to stretch my staff out over the sea and the water. In the name of, I want to be that guy. Anybody want to be that guy? I don't know that I do. <laughs> all you got to do is turn down the palace, live 40 years in exile, go to faith school. He steps up to the Red Sea, stretches the rod. He follows what God says, and the Red Sea parts. Israelites go through, and then them faithless Egyptians drowned. Real faith will keep you above water, where other things that you depend upon won't. Amen? You, you, let, let me quickly move through these. You... you you eventually, that whole generation passes away, by the way. A new generation comes along and God allows them under Joshua's leadership to cross into the promised land. They get to a, the most fortified city in the history of, that, of the world at that time, Jericho. Walls so thick that they were wide enough at the top that they raced chariots around them. And God says, have the people... Put the singers here, put the worshipers here, have all the people walk around in, without making a sound. The city, the walls of Jericho. Do that. The next day, do it again. Third day, do it again. Fourth day, do it again. And somebody in the back raises their hand. Um, somebody calls a board meeting. Uh, has anybody got any idea what the pastor's doing? Because it's hot. My feet hurt. We've been walking around this city forever. No, this is just day four. It's forever we've been doing this. Amen? 
I'm, I'm tired. Well, you tired. I'm tired and hungry. Well, really, I'm tired and hungry. My lips are shut from blowing this horn every day. Well, they haven't started blowing it yet, so that didn't work. All right, so forget that. All right? Don't you think that the normal thought process of people engages at some point in time and they go, this won't work. We're just walking around. They're laughing at us. The Bible says that they cast jeers down upon them. They're making fun of us. We are standing here silent, walking around because you said so, Moses. My feet hurt. My, do you know how bad my bunions are? I got bad hips. My, come on, I'm 100 years old. I'm limping. You won't let me stay. I'm, don't you think humanity showed up at some point in time? Don't you think you might have been prone at some point in time to say, I quit? Just, just life. How do you get to, and then, then you've done it for six days and you get up on the seventh day and Joshua says, hey, got good news today. We're not going around once. We're going around seven times. And don't make a sound for six times. No. Don't you think there's at some point in time where you go, this, this won't, Joshua said, walk. How do you overcome that? Mm. Over and over you see this stuff. Walls of Jericho come down. Fought for the cause of God in war. Survived lions. How many of you, yeah, I want to be the guy in the lion's den. As long as God signs a contract and says the lion's mouths will all be closed. We all want to be in that miracle moment, but you can't have the Red Sea except that you go through the forsaking of the palace and live in the desert for a time and learn where real faith comes from. You can't just hop down unschooled into the moment that the miracle of the sea parting takes place. Watch this, though. Watch. Come on. Caused opposing armies to flee. Man, we like that. Made weak people strong. Raised people from the dead. Yeah, now you're preaching. I like that. I want to raise somebody from the dead. Woo, I got that healing faith. But then there's a period, and it says, and others refused deliverance. Okay, now watch this. They refused deliverance. And they were stoned to death. And they were sown in two. You, you, can't, you can't get to those other places except that there's something that happens in you where you begin to disappear and he begins to appear. John had it right. I must decrease. He must increase. He knew what it took to bring the Messiah and the kingdom of God to bear upon this world. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They lived impoverished lives. They walked away from all that they had in order to see the kingdom of God flourish. They had no homes. All of that solely out of faith. We only want the faith that gets us what we want. Lord, I want a faith so that if I get sick, you heal me every time. I want the faith that when they close the plant, I walk out to the mailbox and I open it and there's a stack of George's in there. No, George is the one, right? I don't want him. I want, the, I want the Andrew. I want Andrew Jackson in my, you see what I mean, in that hundreds? I got no idea. I want big stock of real money in my mailbox, amen? I want the faith that does that. I, wanna, I want you to get me what I need. I, want, I, 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 I got faith, I got faith. Bring it. 
I said, I said I got faith. That's faith, right? I prayed. That's faith. Lord, in the name of you, heal me. Okay. I got faith. It's more than that. It's more than that. Now listen, let me finish this up. Hebrews 12.1. The scripture says that those people are watching to see what we will do. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, here it is, every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Well, as long as my race is easy, I'll run it. As long as my race is above that period that talks about being stoned and sawn in two and killed with a sword and lived in impoverished lives and had no homes, I'm in. Western Christianity has an amazing amount of prosperity rolled right, right into it. It's tough to preach on prosperity when you're meeting with a group of Christians that live in the garbage dump of Mexico City. It's tough there. It's tough to preach on Provision in Panama, I don't mind telling you. We must love God more. Is that it? That's why he's blessed us more than he has them. I'm not picking. I am picking. I apologize. But there's a thing that faith does that goes beyond all of that. That's what I want you to get to. Why is this group of people watching? Hebrews 11.39 says, And all these, though committed to their faith, did not receive what was promised. There is this link between them and us. You and I, inheritors of the kingdom now, and we have the responsibility of not only maintaining the kingdom but advancing it, and we do that through real faith in God, and that can't be done in ease all the time. Four weeks after this one, let me give you these and comment on them real quick. Four things, four topics that begin next week. Number one, this is just the introduction, by the way. Number one, real faith produces a solidity in us before it does our circumstances, before things begin to happen, before miracles, before things begin to move, before you begin pushing down strongholds and casting out imaginations, and before the walls of Jericho begin falling in your life, you're going to have to have a real encounter with a real God that transforms what you love and what you want, and your desire has got to be his kingdom above your own. So real faith produces a solidity in us before it does our circumstances. Number two, real faith develops a love for God's kingdom that supersedes love for our kingdom. you got to want what he wants more than you want what you want. Real faith does that. Real faith isn't just a compartmentalizing. Real faith says, I love what he wants more than I love what I want. Thirdly, real faith submits us to his ways. Lord, you get to tell me what to do. And fourth, real faith can produce things from nothing. Faith is not a means to an end. Faith is a response to who God is. Worship team, would you come back, please? How do we get there? How do you begin? How does it go beyond? Let me tell you when this message began to formulate, and you'll understand. Mother's Day. When the ambulance carrying Leanne is driving out of my driveway. And I thought, I am an empty shirt. 
you don't know the story, my wife was right back there. She had the coronavirus. When I woke her up Sunday morning, her blood saturation or oxygen saturation, which is normally in the mid-90s, was 79. She couldn't answer questions. She was so hypoxic. She couldn't think. I had two friends who had spent a month on the ventilator. Ambulance is driving out. I can't go with her. I can't even go to the hospital. The devil screaming. That's it. That's the last time you're going to see her alive. If she's going to get there, it's going to continue to get worse. It's going to crash. I had nothing. Except this thing that said, Lord, I I just trust you. I had no, well, in the name of Jesus, this is all going to be okay. I just speak health right now to that. There wasn't any of that. None of that. That just seemed boisterous. And I started thinking, Father, what, what is faith in this moment? Is it all of that? Is it that tradition that I've learned that I just say and it happens? Or is it something more? Is it the ability to stand in this driveway, Lord, and say, Lord, I have a thing that I desperately want, but either way, I'm yours. I will not back up. I will not quit. Enemy's telling you, she doesn't get better, you'll quit. She's in the room, and I don't, I've never even said this to her. If she dies, you'll quit being a pastor. I didn't have any. I didn't have any nifty. I just said, no, I won't. Go ahead, Otis. No, I won't, Father. No, I won't, enemy. I won't quit. I don't know how to get what I want in this moment. But I won't quit believing in the one who does. You say, how how can you just, how come you just don't speak it? How come you just don't say it? There, There was a part of that. Lord, heal touch, deliver. But deeper than that was this thing that said, you going to quit? The day before, I started having fever. I had the virus right after she did. So now, in my head, Jack's going to lose both of you. What do you believe now, preacher? Who's going to take care of Jack? I thought, oh, Lord, he's going to be stuck with his sisters. (laughs) They're going to be fighting over the insurance money. Poor Jack.
faith. Faith is the thing that comes in when everything else goes out. But it's not boisterous. It's not braggadocious. It's not, I'm sorry, but it's not for me. For me now, not for you. You probably noticed that for the last 90 days, I've been pretty much silent on social media because it just wouldn't fit there. I'm, I'm not at the Red Sea yet. Maybe you are. I'm not. Oh, I can pray the prayers and I can say the stuff and I can go through the motions of all of that. But there's more than that. And the only way you get there, the only way I get there, is through Him. I didn't plan this song. I didn't even know which song to tell them to do. But there's a line in it that says, it's perfect. It says this. I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. right there, I'll just don't sing the other rest. Because he doesn't. He doesn't know you. And we use faith like it's the arm on a slot machine. Lord, I put my quarter in, I pull the handle, you got to pay out. We skip the desert and we think that he owes us the Red Sea. convinced that if it takes the desert, Father, to develop faith, bring on the heat. Amen. I don't build this house not first having counted the cost. I started six years ago praying, stir us, Father. What a stupid prayer. You cannot, you cannot miss the desert if you're going to stand on the Red Sea and see the waters part. Peter, James, and John are in a boat. I imagine it a beautiful sunny day on the Sea of Galilee. And the most noted rabbi of their day, already somewhat famous, walks up and he says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Scripture says, and it doesn't say instantly, but it seems that way, 
that they leave their boats and their father and they follow him. I just wonder if James, if he could have seen some five years in the future where he has run through with the sword and killed for the cause of Christ. I wonder if he gets out of the boat. He can't, he can't face the sword until he spent three and a half years in the presence of Jesus as Jesus pours into him the kingdom of God and its principles and how he's to see people and how he's to relate to the Father and, and the presence of the Holy Spirit that he's going to pour upon James in the upper room. You won't be able to endure the sword if you skip everything between the moment he calls you and that moment. I'm not here, Otis. I'm not here for Would you stand with me this morning?